0: The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network.
1: This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 115.
0: This is a podcast about recovery through creativity.
1: We live an intentional life we thrive. I am Sandra Primo.
0: And I'm Tammy Salas.
1: And we are The Unruffled.
0: What well, hello. Good morning. <laughs> Long time to see. <laughs> it seems like I just hugged you goodbye yesterday.
1: I know. I know. I know. And here we are.
0: Here we are. It was so Back good to see at you. at it. So good to see so you in, in see person. You.
1: So good to see you. And guys, we're we're gonna um we're gonna have a whole catch up love fest about our Portland experience at a later time. Yeah. So don't think we're just sk- rushing over it.
0: Yeah, but we wanna we wanna get to the show because uh, we had a really awesome guest today, and we want to kind of just let you guys enjoy and hear all of his um, brilliance and. Honesty and um, his generous shares that he did with our community. So, yeah, right.
1: So, if you believe it or not, we're not going to make this about us
0: at all. What? <laughs> we always <laughs> think about us. believe yeah, that, it or not, we're going to We're going to do the intro differently today because we want to kind of honor what just happened. Because we're super, super grateful uh, that we had Tommy Rosen as our guest today, and um, we want to share him with you as soon as possible. So why don't we jump into his bio, Sandra, you want to read the first couple paragraphs and I'll...
1: Sure, yeah. If you don't know who Tommy Rosen is, Tommy Rosen is an international renowned yoga teacher and addiction recovery expert who has spent the last two decades immersed in recovery and wellness. He holds advanced certifications in both Kundalini and Hatha yoga and has 27 years of, let me repeat that, 27 years of continuous recovery from addiction. Tommy is one of the pioneers in the field of yoga and recovery, assisting others to holistically transcend addictions of all kinds. Yeah, and he
0: is the founder and CEO of Recovery 2.0, where he has created the Recovery 2.0 Global Community, an online conference series, group coaching program, He also leads Recovery 2.0 retreats and workshops internationally and presents regularly at conferences spreading the message of don't just survive, thrive. Tommy's podcast, The Recovery 2.0 Power Hour, launched in 2016 and reached number one in the self-help and health categories and number eight in all of iTunes. And his first book, Recovery 2.0, Move Beyond Addiction and Upgrade Your Life, was published by Hay House in 2014 to international acclaim and continues to transform the lives of readers across the globe. Yeah, that, it was just a wonderful oh, conversation, wasn't it? Where he took us. How, how good was it? How good was it? Yeah, he's, an, he's excellent at what he does, and he is such a great speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we yeah, just talk yeah. about how we met him? Like, I know I did it briefly at the beginning, but we were pretty delighted in LA. Yeah. Can we kind yeah. of, yeah.
1: Yeah. We did actually get to meet Tommy Rosen in person and it was a total surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were, uh, it was at She Recovers in LA last, uh, last year. And, um, we were invited to a dinner that was hosted by Anna David, who's based out of LA. Um, I think Lara Frazier was responsible for us getting the invite, yes, but yes. neither here nor there, but anyway, um, <laughs> And, uh, so you and I, and, and, um, Natalie went to this dinner and, um, we were so excited to meet all these women that we would known about online, met online. Um, it was, it was like a, it was a power dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really several has. of had been on our show. Yes. Yes. And then, um, in walked a couple of guys, they came straight over to Anna, I believe, and there was a little bit of a hubbub, some whispering, and it was Tommy and his friend, whose name I do not remember, Mm -mm. so I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, friend. (laughs) friend. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and that's how we met Tommy, and he was so kind. Uh, He made a few jokes about um, being really, really um in disbelief that he had not been invited to the all female uh At recovery conference, conference. <laughs> yeah yeah and he was so gracious and let us take photos with him and yeah let us yeah
0: interrupted his meal and he he was just nice we were uh i remember going to the bathroom and passing his table and I had my business card, but had the Unruffled podcast on the back. And I went to the the ladies room and then I put on some lipstick and I was like, I'm going to just leave it at his table and just chat with him and um, just say a quick hi and thank him. Because uh, as I shared in the interview, there was some work that he'd done that had really impacted me. And uh, I told him that I hosted a podcast. He said, would you like me to be on? Like he just said it. (laughs) Just like that. Uh Just like that. I didn't even have to ask him. I'm like, yes, I would. Yes, Sandra would. Yes, yes, yes. So we we were just giddy in the taxi back to our hotel. And we like, oh. and then I just got a little nervous to follow up, to be quite honest. Yeah. I got yeah, nervous we, to follow up. <laughs> yeah. We've
1: had some, you know, we've had uh we've had important people that we've pitched the show to, or, you know, who people mm-hmm. who we kind of deem important in the recovery space. And, um, so it's, it's a little nerve wracking. Um, we've gotten some, not really some nose, but things have trailed off. So we weren't sure what was going to happen with that. We were just excited that he even said it, but
0: then Tammy followed up. Yeah. I, um, I felt like I knew he would like, he would make honor's his- word. Yeah. He's that kind of a human being. And sure so, is. I just had to get up the nerve to ask and for you and I to be prepared. He was prepared, right? He's ready to go. <laughs> right. He's <laughs> what he does. We he, had to Yeah. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, will, you will see that. He, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. So we hope you guys enjoy it. We've been super excited and um, yeah. Enjoy the show. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Tommy.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here.
1: Good morning, Tommy. It's so good to hear
0: your voice.
2: (laughs) It's a real voice. I'm here. I'm here.
0: You're here. Well, we had the pleasure of meeting you um, when we were down for the recovery. uh, uh, She recovers conference down in LA and we were dining with Anna David and her crew and like a bunch of lovely ladies and you walked in and it was, couldn't have just made us all happier. I just want you to know that. It was like the highlight. Oh my God.
2: Well, to see, I mean, there must have been 15 of you at that table. To see 15 radiant, sober women just rocking it in their life, that was, <laughs> that was seriously inspiring and incredible for me.
0: Oh, we were having fun that night for sure.
2: It was a yeah. great night.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you were a little bummed. You were like, well, wait, what where are you guys at? Where are you guys going? We're like, she recovers. You're like, no men are allowed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bummer. I'm not
2: invited to these
0: things. Yeah, how come I don't get to go and talk and speak and uh, yeah, it's it's a, it was it was a special weekend and that was the second one that they had had that event and that we um that I got to participate in and it was really it was a beautiful weekend. And yes, to see powerful, radiant, dignified women out, you know, just doing their thing was awesome and to be part yes. of it was really cool. So thank Best you for amazing. letting us bombard your table with your friend that night and take pictures. You oh. were so gracious with everyone. So thank you.
2: Oh, oh my God, I, I loved it. Thank <laughs> you
3: so much. It was absolutely- <laughs> so sweet.
0: Uh, well, normally when we start the show, Tommy, um, I don't. I want. I was introduced to you um, the first time I heard you was on the Home podcast, which led me down a rabbit hole of learning about more what you do. And when I heard you on there. Um, It was, it was a beautiful story and I know you probably told it many, many times, but for our listeners, could you give us a little down and dirty of, you know, your recovery story, um, Hmm. get up to speed, um, with your past and where you are now?
2: I'd love to, um, a lot of people look at, you know, a, 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 recovery story or, you know, previous to that, an addiction story, uh, as pertaining to, you know, when, when did you you know use drugs? You know when did you begin using drugs and alcohol? And for me, I, I just prefer to begin the story at the beginning, which is me, of course, as a fetus in my mother's womb. Mm-hmm. And what's going on there for me is I am influenced by my mother's emotions, by her reactions to those emotions. I'm influenced by her food choices, her in, in the case of my, my mom, bless her her alcohol choices, her nicotine choices. And I'm I'm influenced by all of her choices. Her reality, emotionally and otherwise, the way she feels about her environment, and the chemistry that goes along with that feeling is gonna be a part of my experience in the womb. And what I know about my mom. Um, first of all, I will tell you that she was an amazing woman, incredibly bright. She loved life, so funny. Um, she also struggled emotionally. She had a lot of insecurity and she dealt with things like codependency and uh, that, that was just, just a part of her life. And so I know that her methods of dealing with that as a young woman, and she was just uh, 26 when she had me. Uh, I know her way of dealing with that was, in part, to to drink and to smoke, um, and and to to try to navigate very 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 difficult emotions. And I know that that had an effect on me um, as an infant, uh, as a, as, a, as a, in prenatally in the womb. And we know that this is important. We know that that the the fetus, the infant, is influenced by the reality uh, chemically and otherwise of the mother. I'm born into a world that is a little bit confusing. There's a lot of emotional pain and violence and and uh, and anger and tension in the environment where I'm born into. And I know, we know that, you know, before an infant gets a sense of much else, the infant is trying to make sense of the world. Is this a safe world or not? And I think for me, I, I had a sense. I can't, of course, remember any of this. This is precognitive. But I think if I had to guess, um, you know, my parents were divorced by the time I was one. I would guess that uh, I had determined that the world was not necessarily a safe place. I couldn't figure out why that was. And I think an, an, an infant doesn't understand these things and feels more a sense of shock or terror or, um, you know, uh, a sense of anger. Uh, not anger, but but more just fear. There it is. So... I think I had a lot of that as a kid. And as I grew up and I started to do things that children do, like begin to walk, begin to express themselves, walk, you know, begin to uh, uh, check out the environment around them. I'm privy to the first substance where I can reach out to it to start to feel something different. And I'm definitely looking for an experience of something different from a very young age. And the first substance that I can find as a child is the same substance that every child finds. The first substance we come upon is sugar, Mm. the real gateway drug, the the place it all begins. Sugar we know highly addictive, incredibly, uh, detrimental to the system. You do not want your diet to be based on sugar. Um, Unfortunately, my diet was based (laughs) primarily on sugar as I'm growing up. So the reason I tell the story from this perspective is long before drugs and alcohol came into my life, there was an underlying condition of anxiety, an underlying condition of fear, also an underlying condition of excitement. So I was not a depressed kid. I was not a depressive. I was actually more on the hyperactive, excited side of things. I loved sports. I loved to move. I loved life. I wanted to get out and experience everything. It just so happened, though, that I never was able to sit still.
3: Mm. The
2: reason I wasn't able to sit still, in part, was because underlying my reality, my experience of reality, was a sense of tension and anxiety. And also because I was fueling my body, my physical body, with primarily sugar. I really mean that. Junk food, uh, sugar cereals, breads, pastas, uh, lots of meats, process, everything processed. Um, that's how I grew up. And I and I created this sort of my my reaction to life and my reaction to this underlying sense of anxiety was to move. And it was to fuel that movement with really unhealthy food. So I'm a child. Now I'm, let's say I'm in my between- all the years up until 13, I'm experiencing a lot of distraction, a lot of sports, uh, which were really positive distraction for me. Um, but also, you know, a lot of gambling in this, and <laughs> people hear this part of my story. They're like, what do you mean you're gambling as a child?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tell us more.
2: <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, we, baseball was sort of our thing. Uh, me and the, the, the guys that I hung out with as, as children, we, we loved, and we, we just love sports, really baseball, football, basketball, but we used to collect and trade baseball cards. Mm-hmm. And that became a tremendous obsession for me. And I, I went so far as to gamble those cards. We used to flip quarters to, to get cards from other kids. We, I used to steal cards from other kids. Um, and there was obviously something about these cards that went beyond just the enjoyment of of seeing your favorite baseball player on a on a in a picture on a card for me it, it became very compulsive, very obsessive and and it was uh, a pastime for many years. So I gambled in that way. I was already setting myself up uh, for what would become a whopping uh, gambling addiction later in my life. That's another story the The point here mm-hmm. is I had set up a rhythm in my life, in my childhood. The rhythm was feel anxiety, reach out for something to, to, to help me to experience a difference or, or change in emotion. I'd get high from that. And then shortly thereafter, there'd be a crash. And I'd return to my state of anxiety. So again, it was anxiety, reach out, get high, crash. anxiety. Reach out, get high, and crash. And that was the rhythm that I'd set up in my life. What's missing from that rhythm is a real and true experience of calmness, any sense of contentment, any understanding of myself as a baseline. How would I be if I wasn't actually chasing after something all the time? And I never got to find that out until much, much later in my life. So, by the time I was 13 years old and I found marijuana, cannabis, you know, and uh, started smoking and found alcohol and then later on would find other things. In a way, I don't even need to tell you any of those stories. I've already told you exactly the, the, this is how it worked for me. Anxiety, reach out, get high and crash and repeat that. Now, I had a, a, a love affair with marijuana for cannabis for about 10 years, 11 years. Um, I explored psychedelic, psychedelic drugs. Um, interestingly enough, alcohol was kind of present through all those years, but it wasn't the thing I was really after. I was after exploration. I was after finding you know, a different way to, to see and to think about things. What I was really after is what I think everybody's after, which is a deeper sense of purpose and understanding of why we're here, a connection with oneself, a general sense of love, that a general sense of connection. And I was just looking for that in ways that could bring me slightly forward in kind of a false way and then just drop me on my ass, excuse me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And and then I'd pay prices for the choices I had made, and I would repeat those choices again. We call this addiction. So it doesn't matter that I got into cocaine and I got into heroin. Uh, it doesn't matter that you know all those other drugs were a part of my story. The story is I had no ability to be still, to connect with myself. And to begin to, from that calm place, forge a life for myself of meaning and purpose. I never got to know myself. And I find that most people who struggle with any form of addiction, and for me that's almost everybody, uh, we are all looking for connection and purpose, meaning in our life, love in our life. We wanna feel like our unique gifts are welcome in this world. And and there's a way we can engage in the world that makes sense to all of us. So we're all looking for that. And I can report in from the field here in 2019 that we are looking in the wrong places.
3: Mm.
2: That, That we are failing at our attempt to get to know ourselves better. We are excelling when it comes to distraction. We are excelling when it comes to avoidance. We are excelling when it comes to addiction. And that's, that's pretty much the story as I see it out in our world today. And, and I I appreciate you asking. I, I can tell you that my recovery story, I just told you an addiction story. I, I will tell you the recovery story, but I, I want to be quiet for a moment and have you comment.
1: Yeah. So what. So what I hear you saying, and this is, this is it took me, um, you know, I'm still learning this, that um, we all are reaching for something outside of ourselves to cope when it's an inside job.
2: Precisely. Right. Precisely.
0: And, and the fact that you talked about just the four points are anxiety, reach out, get high, crash, I don't think I could recognize um, that I had anxiety my whole entire life. You know, like what you just did there was really beautiful because I think a lot of people who are probably listening can identify with those four simple points. Like you said, we're all, we're all kind of addicted to something, whether that's our phone, sugar, the things that you pointed out. You can you can look back, um, high achieving, being a perfectionist, like addicted to the reward of a pat on the back. Um, I heard Elizabeth Vargas at a conference talk about um, that anxiety was the background music to her life. And mm. that really spoke out to me because I, I, I can't know it until you kind of stop, like you said, when you kind of seek that stillness. Mm. And didn't know mm. that that's what we needed to, like, to get there. Um, go ahead. Yes.
2: Yes, I, I love that. And it, it makes me think about being in a room where there's a fan on in the background. loud Mm -hmm. you know fan and after a while you don't really notice the fan anymore and -hmm. at some point somebody turns off the fan and you take the deepest breath of your life Mm -hmm. and there's a huge sigh of relief and you're like oh my god has that thing been on all this
3: time
1: right right (laughs) yeah and
2: and it feels so good to have it finally turned off you're like oh my god i never would have known what i was dealing with until what i was dealing with was gone you know Mm -hmm. i had no no way of knowing what contentment felt like what relaxation felt like because i had never experienced it so the the what should be of interest to anybody uh, would be okay if we're all reaching outside of ourselves and we're all dealing with anxiety or overwhelm or depression or fear uh, and, and many of us are acting out in violent ways or addictive ways or hurtful ways. Well, what's the solution to that? And that's, that's, that's what we, we term as recovery. And, uh, and the first thing I want to say to everyone is, thank God, uh, there is a solution. And the solution takes place when we, on the most practical level, we begin to do different things than we've been doing all this time. So for a person in, quote, recovery from addiction, one of the things you'll notice is if you look at the 90 days before they recovered, and you look at the 90 days after they've begun a process of recovery, you'll notice that some routines have shifted. There's very, there's very few people I, I know who could just drop drugs and alcohol or whatever other addictive behavior they were doing, um, without changing their routine. Mm -hmm. It's very important to say this. It's super practical. Um, if you think about addiction, what is it? Well, you began a routine, uh, a behavior, let's say, you know, you feel anxiety, that's the stressor. And then you get into a routine, let's say you smoke some cannabis and then you feel a sense of relief for a short period of time. And then uh, at some point in the future, it comes back. You feel uh, anxious again. Well, you repeat that behavior. You repeat the, the, the routine of, of treating your anxiety with cannabis in this, in this example. You can substitute anything for cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. So in recovery, you'll still have the stressor. Okay, I feel anxiety. Only now I don't have my precious cannabis with me. What am I going to do? I have to do something else. Mm -hmm. So we have, I can just off the top of my head, you might decide to speak to somebody else in recovery who understands how to help you through anxiety in the moment. You might go to a 12 step meeting. You might go to another kind of meeting. You might go to a yoga class or a gym class. You might go to a therapist's office and connect one-on-one in a therapeutic modality. You might do any number of of different things that are a change, a shift in your routine. Now, every time you feel that anxiety, something has to happen to replace the, the way you used to handle it. The way you used to handle it in this example with cannabis, something else has to happen. Every single time you feel that anxiety, you need to be in the new habit. We're talking about building a new neural pathway. We're talking about building new habits. And we're talking about recovery. So in the most practical sense, all you really have to do is just change your life. But of course, that's so, so much easier said than done.
1: Right, (laughs) right, right. Because (laughs) anxiety is still going to call. It's just how you answer that call every time. Exactly. With a healthier, exactly. health, healthier, you know, coping mechanism.
2: Now, now, here's the dilemma. This is the dilemma. This is the paradox of what all uh, newcomers or people who are engaging on a new path all have to face. This mental issue. The mental issue is this. <clears throat> I've been doing something that has led me to a place that I can see is not helpful. So this is the old pattern. The thing that I've been doing, the the addictive behavior that I've been in, or or even the habit that I've been in, or just the behavior that I've been doing is not netting the results that I want. So I can see that I need to change my behavior. Every newcomer seems to think I should be able to do it on my own. I should I should be able to handle this. I'm a grown up. I'm 20 years old and I'm 30 years old. I'm 40 years old. I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. I've been on the planet a while. I should be able to handle this. I'll just change my behavior. And so this is of course completely untrue. Nobody actually can create a shift like this in their life solo unto themselves. I've never seen it done
3: oh, in, yeah.
2: in 28 years of recovery. I've never, ever seen it done. So the first thing we have to do is to explain to a person you're going to think that you can do this on your own and nothing could be further from the truth. So the first thing we want people to do is to reach out to other people who have had a similar experience. Where do you find those people? Well, you find them in spiritual circles. You find them in, in religious circles. Sometimes you find them in yoga circles, meditation circles, And especially you find them in recovery circles. So for me, it was, you know, going to 90 meetings in 90 days or, or whatever, you know, whatever the schedule was, I had to get around people in recovery because I was going to be beset by thinking that would lead me back to the old way of behaving. And we call that relapse. I wanted to get time between me and that behavior. The more time I can get between me and that behavior and replacing that behavior with a much better and more productive behavior is going to net me the results that I wanted in my life. So I had to be around other people who could say, oh, I bet you're thinking that you could probably do this on your own. I bet you're thinking that you don't have to go to a meeting today because you're seven days sober now and you could miss a day here and there. And I really needed to hear from those people who said, stick around for a while. Remember, this thing is, you know, unbelievably powerful. It's bigger than you are. And uh, you need to stick around long enough to really build a new life and and a new set of behaviors and habits. And you need to get yourself out of the old way of being. Do you understand what I'm saying?
1: Oh, yeah. But asking for help is so hard, isn't it? Hmm.
2: It is so hard. Um, and yet it's sort of the way back to oneself. See, addiction is a disease of isolation. You know, you're alone in your thinking, you're alone with your thoughts and you're alone with your way of perceiving. And what we find is especially for people who use a lot of drugs and alcohol or who have really changed their brain, um, through addictive behavior is, you're not thinking clearly. You're not seeing things clearly. You think you are, but you're really not perceiving well. And so to have the perspective of another human being who's thinking more clearly than you are, who sincerely wants you to recover, who has your best interests in mind, it's just so critically important. You staying alone with yourself, staying in relative isolation, at least in your mind, uh, is a, is a surefire way to stay caught in addiction. So we get to that point where we realize I really can't, I have to do this. I have to take certain actions, but I can't do this thing alone. I cannot do this thing alone. And when you've come to that place, it's called humility. Mm -hmm. I'm humble. And one of the quotes I love the most is there are two kinds of people in the world, people who are humble. And people who are about to be <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, and I just, I've seen that to be absolutely true. That plays out in the human experience over and over and over again. If you think you've got this thing, Oh, you're, 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 you're good unto yourself with the human condition. you you can handle addiction on your own. I've watched those people fall and fall and fall again until they recognize, Oh, I need other people. That's a part of my healing. So, so, so very important.
0: It's part, it's part of the reason I think Sandra and I um, both started this podcast and from listening to other people and seeing what they were doing and having an online recovery community was really um, key. I, uh, in my, I quit drinking in um, February of 2015 um, at the suggestion of my doctor and put, she put me on an elimination diet, which I really probably should have gone into treatment because I was drinking so much. But for seven months, you know, really isolated, trying to figure it out, writing a lot about it. And at seven months, I went into the rooms into a 12-step program. But until then, so alone, so in my head, torturing myself, asking all the why can I drink? Why can't I be like other people? Why, why, why? That just mm-hmm. never had an answer, right? It's just circuitous and I'm just back in my head again. But finding that community of um people that I meet you know at seven o'clock in the morning and developing a routine when you said that i'm 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 a big fan of rituals and routines and seeing how that has kind of sturdied me up mm-hmm. along with in real life community and online community it it just has been magic and it seems like what you what you are doing and what you have um Done is that you you realize the value in that, right? And that you're sharing that, that clearly community, (laughs) however you get it, is what you're saying. There's not one path, but however you get it, um, you need other people.
2: There's not one path. Right. We could sit and speak about the the pros and the cons of any particular choice. Um, You know, I've said to people over the years, you know, people are like, oh, well, you're one of those 12 steppers, you must think it's perfect or, you know, it's a perfect path. And I say, nothing's a perfect path.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Nothing's a perfect path. Everything, everything is, is, you know, how you relate to it. It's the dynamic between you and the choices you make. If I, if I tell you uh, the 12 steps saved my life and in the same breath, I tell you, and the 12 steps can benefit from the addition of yoga to anyone's life that might be confusing to some people. Wait a minute. I don't understand if, if the 12 steps can save your life, why would you at the same time say that they need something else? Because I've learned that the supplement of yoga and meditation and healthy diet along with a 12 step approach to things makes the 12 step approach even more powerful than it is on its own. So I, I have the benefit of, well, I have the benefit of 28 years of experience with the steps Mm -hmm and also 28 years of experience with yoga and meditation because I started them both at the same time. And I, and I can tell you that I would not want one without the other. They each support each other and taken as a whole, it's the integration, uh, that, that has been so powerful. And, and I also, I want to say that, um, on the topic of community, you truly can get it anywhere and If you are a person who has suffered behind, you know, acute addiction of any kind, it is really helpful to have a community that at least in part shares that experience. And, and I, I can't overstate that. It's just been so helpful for people, uh, in my life to understand what I'm going through and for me to understand what they're going through. Um, for one thing, I have no judgment, of, I understand it. Someone could come to me and say, you know, I relapsed and, uh, you know, and I would simply say, you know, tell me what happened. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be, oh my God, it might not even be, (laughs) I might not even be fearful at all for this person. I might just simply say, let's review what happened. Let's take a look at it. Let's figure out a way to learn everything we can from this and let's move forward. Um, you know, and and I've also lost so many people over the years to this, uh, this, this addiction thing. Uh, so I'm not naive to the stakes. I understand that you could die from this thing and I understand that you could live miserably, uh, in addiction for a very long time, which nobody wants to do either. So I am not naive to the stakes. But something about the commonality between people who have faced something like this, it's just very powerful. So I really do advocate for, you know, 12-step and or other recovery-based programs.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the first time I heard someone else tell my story, oh, I can't. I can't even just—I des- can't even describe how that felt. I mean, not only did I not feel alone, but I felt like I had a chance. Like I, I you know, I had a chance mm. to some freedom, and um, I wouldn't have known that if I, if I, if I wasn't around other people in recovery.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's,
2: it's such a beautiful thing. Uh, and also, you're around examples of victory. Yeah. Right. So you can see people around you who have succeeded and who are succeeding, and it's it's very inspiring.
0: Tommy, I I heard and I wanted to talk about this a little bit just because I, I hear a lot of um, I hear a lot of women that I know are, are in our community saying you know, and I don't need you to be a spokesperson for AA, but um, AA is not for me. I just know it's not for me, and I I always try to say I said you know no one wants. Everybody felt the same way at their first meeting. Like no one wants to be there. So just know that I felt that way too. Um, But when I watched um, you interview Gabby Bernstein uh, for On Recovery 2.0, and you had a conversation where you broke down the 12 steps with her. And I wanted to say that watching that video I was working the steps with my sponsor at the time, but still always trying to find a way out. I just want to be honest, (laughs) like, do I really have to do this? Maybe I should switch sponsors. You know, it was just like, anytime I didn't want to work the steps, I wanted a new sponsor. I did not. (laughs) I have not switched sponsors. She's got 30 strong years of recovery that I admire, but just the fear in me and my resistance was really strong. And when I watched that conversation where, where Gabby and you broke down the 12 steps Um, it was broken down in such a way that it made me want what you both had. And that was like, keep going. I knew that I wanted it to, I wanted to stick around and stick around and go to meetings and learn from my sponsor and work those 12 steps because they would be the foundation to my recovery. And I would do lots of other things. Um, But refuge recovery looked kind of shiny to me at the time. I remember and people invited me to go. And I was like, well, since I'm open, you know, uh, my program says to stay open I was open to so much that I felt I would distract myself. And Mm. so I vowed to myself after I watched that conversation with you and Gabby that I was gonna finish the 12 steps before I started dabbling in all of these other things. And I'm really grateful for that. So I wanna say thank you for that conversation. And is there anything that you would say about the importance of the 12 steps as a foundation?
2: Um, Okay, (laughs) we could spend the next six hours. (laughs) answer however you want (laughs) well there's a lot to say i want to i want to talk to the person who's listening to this who doesn't want to get engaged in the 12-step program um i don't care i don't care what you want to get engaged in or not i don't have an agenda Mm -hmm. for you to be a 12 step person or to benefit from the 12 steps or even to experience the 12 steps. I have no agenda. My, I do, I do have a desire uh, which is for you to be free. I want you to be free. I want to be free at a one day at a time basis. I want to be free. Also my effort in life is to be free so that I can be me and get to do all the things that I get to do as a free me could be. So from that perspective, I would say, please heed, please heed what I'm saying. You don't have to do the 12 steps. But if you're in this conversation with us right here, your heart and your spirit are calling for something more. There's a change that you're interested in, in your own life. Not because I say so, not because an authority figure in your life says so, but because you say so. There's something you want and you're not sure how to get it. And so please heed the advice of, you don't have to do the 12 steps, but you have to do something. You're going to need some path, some teaching to follow. You're going to need a teacher to help guide you and you're going to need a community of support. This is not for people who are necessarily stuck in addiction. This is for everyone in the human condition and that's everyone, who is desiring to up-level their game, to move beyond destructive habits, or patterns, or conditioning, or you can call it addiction, or whatever it is. You're going to need those three things. You're gonna need a teaching, you're gonna need a teacher, and you're gonna need a community to support you along the way. Because for sure, challenges are coming, and when the challenges come, you're gonna need someone to rely upon, to bounce ideas off of, and to check yourself and make sure that you're thinking clearly about the decisions you're making and where they're going to lead you. So it doesn't have to be the 12 steps, but it has to be something. So what, what, what's out there? Let's discuss. First of all, you do have the 12 steps. Yesterday, uh, at the time that we're recording this, yesterday was 84 year birthday of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, meaning the beginning of the 12 steps. So that means 84 years ago, one alcoholic speaking to another alcoholic resulted in recovery for those two people. And that's marked as the first moment uh, of of the beginning of Alcoholics Anonymous, and then later on they would develop the 12-step program out of that, that, that beautiful connection. Since then, in these 84 years, millions upon millions upon millions of people Have been lifted up out of addictions of every kind. I think, on last count, there's something like 250 programs that have adopted the 12 steps for every human issue you can imagine. I I even heard a new one the other day. What was it? Um, I think Chronic Pain Anonymous is a new one that I have not heard before. So there's, I mean, you've got N, you've got Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, Marijuana Anonymous. Uh, Al-Anon, Codependence Anonymous, Adult Children of Alcoholics, and and another 100, 240 programs from there. So these steps have been adopted to help people address every problem that human beings face. So I do advocate for the steps. At the same time, I understand why people can be off-put by them. There's that word God that's used in the steps that's so misunderstood and so confused. Um, people think, or at least I thought coming in, uh, to the 12 steps, I I came in by the way, kicking and screaming, there's no other way to put it kicking and screaming. No, 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 not me, not me, not me. I don't want to become one of those people. That's what I was saying. Of course I had no idea what those people were like, or what they actually did. I just had an impression of what the 12-step people must be like. It's a cult, Uh, they all smoke cigarettes, they all drink coffee, they go into church basements, and that's the beginning and the end of all of it. What I didn't see and what I didn't understand were the unbelievable conversations taking place between people who were speaking honestly to one another. I didn't understand the sponsor-sponsee relationship where someone would actually guide me through a process that would change my life forever. I didn't understand why this thing was free. Why is there no charge to this thing? Oh, there must be no value to it. No, there's incredible value to it. And and the value is reconnecting with humanity, reconnecting with yourself, connecting with a, a higher power, which could be anything that, helps you to understand all the unseen aspects of life. I say to atheists or agnostics, by unseen aspects of life, I'm talking about things like love and emotion, uh, your breath, like literally breathing. Like we don't see it exactly, but we do it and our life depends upon it. And you know how we relate with the unseen aspects of life has everything to do with that feeling of anxiety I described to you from the beginning of my life. I just didn't know it. Nobody told me that and I would have to come and understand that. And I came to understand that in a room of the 12 steps. So I advocate strongly for that program. However, let's just say you're adamantly against it. What else is there? Okay. You do have refuge recovery. This is a Buddhist approach to recovery, a non-theistic or non-God approach to recovery, it involves a lot of self-reflection. There's always going to be self-inquiry, right? Because we know the problem is inside, not outside. So I'm all for refuge recovery, all for it. I love it. And I love Buddhist principles. I love that approach. And they have meetings. And what I find is about 50% of the people in refuge recovery also go to 12-step meetings, which is interesting
3: right yeah that uh, so they also too. isn't that wild yeah mm-hmm.
2: you know um what else do you have aside from the 12 steps and refuge recovery i want to uh, i want to take a minute to mention nikki meyer's work with y12sr that's the yoga 12-step recovery yoga and 12-step recovery y12sr.com this is a a very yogic approach to the 12 steps which involves yoga and the combination of yoga philosophy and 12-step philosophy. And it's beautiful. It's just amazing work. And you can look that up at y12sr.com. There's another uh, offshoot. Then you have, if you're a religious person and you're a Christian, you have Celebrate Recovery. That's a very Christian-based approach to recovery from addiction. Wonderful. I'm all for it. It's whatever works for you. Then we have therapy. All the therapeutic modalities in the world You've got cognitive behavior, you know. You've got um, you've got uh, CBT, you've got DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. You've got all kinds of mindfulness-based therapy. You've got spiritually-based therapy. You've got somatic healing therapy that gets into the body, which I'm really for. You have all these things. You also have treatment, inpatient and outpatient, for when you are are really in it, and you can't change the pattern yourself. You go and you get help. And you immerse yourself in an environment where you can get that kind of support. All of this is available. And for, you know, for the listeners, I'll just tell you that I, Tommy Rosen, I use all of it. I needed all of it. And I use all of it today. Therapy, the 12 steps, a Buddhist approach, an Eastern approach, a yogic approach, meditation. I need it all. Either I'm really, really sick or really, really wise. And you can make that decision (laughs) for
1: yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced almost two years worth of content and have over half a
0: million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing and appreciate our weekly consistency, you can be a patron of this show for as little as a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it When you're mentioning all of these Tommy um, can you can we segue into what the community that you have built um, and what recovery 2.0 is and what what drew you to that and and how you started that?
2: Sure, thank you. So the work that I do in the world is essentially to Shine a light on all the potential that a human being has, and I feel that people mistake uh, some of the lessons uh, that are gained out in the world of recovery and what what they hear is you know once an addict always an addict, or you hear "I can never recover, or you hear some other form of limitation that 's placed upon you, and and for me, that just simply doesn 't work. It has never worked. I never refer to myself as an addict anymore because I have grown out of that. I am not that anymore. It doesn't mean that I use drugs and alcohol. Of course I don't. That's the whole point is that I've grown to a place where I understand the wisdom of a life that doesn't involve drugs and alcohol for me. That's the most incredible opportunity for me to become all that I can be. I'm a yoga teacher. I I'm interested in the expansion of consciousness. I'm interested in more awareness, not less awareness. I don't want to put any toxin in my body that will veil my ability to see clearly. I'm always working to see more clearly. I'm a work in progress. And so how far could I get in this life? I don't know. But I know that drugs and alcohol will only get in the way for me. I've recovered from that condition of addiction. I don't refer to myself as that. Well, it occurs to me that since I've recovered from such a hopeless state, that anybody else could recover too. And I mean, fully recover. Well, recovery 2.0 was formed to help people to thrive in every area of their life on a path of recovery. That's pretty much it. We use yoga. We use meditation. We honor everything that you use that works already. We don't want you to change your path if it's working. We, you might think of us as lifestyle engineers.
3: Mm.
2: We look at what you're doing. Um, We support everything in your life that's working for you. If you are struggling in a particular area of your life, food, relationships, romance, career and money, abundance, health, physical, mental, spiritual disconnection, whatever your thing is, we have put together media in the form of videos, presentations, interviews, podcasts, etc., to help you through some of what you're facing. And then all throughout the year, we have a very robust and very immersive, uh, retreat and, and workshop business where you can come, uh, to connect with us in the work that we're doing, connect with the community, um, all year round whether we're in India or Costa Rica or across the United States or Canada, um, we have workshops and and retreats that you can get involved in throughout the year. In addition to all of this um, that we're doing, we have our our membership where we brought it all together online uh, at r20.com. That's r20.com. And you can access everything we're doing from there from your, essentially from your dashboard and our members, get together every Monday night for a live online presentation that either I or another presenter, another teacher are offering. That's 52 Monday nights every single year. Oh wow. Yeah. It's, it's a huge thing. And we get hundreds and hundreds of people live on the call and then thousands of people over the next week, listening to the replay of the call every single Monday night of the year. So that's a big, big deal for what we're talking about is changing routines So people can bring Monday night as a, as a new piece of their recovery life into their life. The, the final thing I wanted to mention is on top of all of this, we, we've realized that we, we need to expand uh, our reach to help many, many more people. And the way we've decided to do that is to start to train, uh, yoga informed recovery coaches. So, this year, we have our first training, uh, coming in September, September, 2019, and we're going to do many, many, many more after it. Uh, where we are, we're going out to yoga teachers in recovery and saying, you are uniquely suited to be the most helpful recovery coaches. We want to train you at a very high level, come and, and do a 100 hour training with us immersion. So we're going to do that live in Joshua tree. We're only accepting 30 people and they have to have at least 200 hours of training as a yoga teacher under their belt. And so I, as far to my knowledge, we're, the, we're putting out the first ever yoga informed recovery coaches to meet the enormous need for peer mentorship and recovery coaching that's, that's, that's being demanded right now. So we have a lot going on. It's super exciting. And obviously I want everyone to be involved with it, however it works for them.
1: That's That's very, yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's an amazing offering right there because you're right. Um, I've, you know, we're seeing a lot more coaches and we're seeing a lot more, especially, you know, women seeking, um, recovery coaches since we predominantly work with women and, um, how helpful that would be for them to be able to incorporate yoga into that experience kind of a one-stop shopping
3: that's
2: that's the idea It's, it's interesting it serves two two purposes number one yoga teachers are so skilled and have such powerful practices and philosophies at their disposal but you may or may not realize that it's very difficult to make a living as a yoga teacher so we're basically saying to yoga teachers we're going to train you to have an incredibly successful career in service to people who really need you and need your yoga. They also need the recovery aspect and of course we'll be training people uh, intensively uh, in this training and it'll it'll go into all the 12-step work, all the refuge recovery work, lots of therapeutic modalities, all the yoga and meditation and how a person can set themselves up to be the best guide for someone possible. Uh, But we're giving yoga teachers a career and we're giving uh the people who need uh, a recovery coach we're going to be training and putting out the what we consider to be the most highly skilled coaches that there will be so uh it's a very exciting time and, and prospect
0: oh that is now i'm sure i'm sure your friend nikki i mean, did she consult with you on this or is this something that she's involved in or
2: well nikki's not matters? directly involved in it no but okay he, there's nothing i do that i don't you know I, we're involved in each other's work. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, we just we're the biggest fan of each other, and you know, it's. Or for all I know, Nikki may end up showing up at this workshop. <laughs>
3: right. <laughs>
2: you know,
0: oh, this she was um, a lovely human being. I've seen her speak before, and yes, she's wise and generous, and and uh, yes. no bullshit. <laughs> no bullshit. <laughs> she's just very direct. Yeah. Oh, this we is so it. exciting! And what a beautiful place to do it in, to Joshua Tree—such a yes, a special, special place. yeah, oh, so much. That's so good.
2: There's uh, just one more thing I wanted to say. Um, yeah. For the people, there may be people listening, and they're they're not really sure if they're alcoholic or not or they're not really sure if they're a drug addict or not, or they're not really sure they want to use that terminology. Uh, Recovery 2.0 exists for people to explore the next right step for them. Hmm. Um, we we are not a path of moderation, so we're not teaching people how to moderately drink. Um, we're people who embrace uh, a life that does not include drugs and alcohol, um, at least uh, Uh, recreationally speaking. So there are plenty of people in our community who are on prescribed medication and that's not, we don't touch that. We're not talking about that. That's if you're on prescribed medication and you need to be, that's, that's perfectly fine and legitimate by us. We're just talking about the, the choice to use this or that in your life. Um, so there's a lot of space for people to consider what do I want to do in my life? How do I want to be in my life? And I I think it's really helpful for folks to live at least a period of their life without using drugs and alcohol, whether they're addicts or not makes no, no difference. It's just such a valuable experience for people to have to experience, you know, a month or three months or six months or a year without drugs and alcohol. What a, what an eye opener that would be for anybody. So I just want to remind you that um, you don't have to call yourself an addict. You don't have to even answer the question, am I or am I not? You do have to answer the question, what do I feel I need to do to be in integrity with myself and to learn and to grow and to get to be how my own heart and my own spirit are asking me to be? that is a question that i think every human being has to ask and has to answer mm-hmm.
1: well and the name of your offering recovery 2.0 is just so perfect because you you're just saying it's not just about abstinence this is about expansion beyond that
2: it's not a- exactly level. thank you so much yeah. it's the way i would put that very succinctly is if you don't like the address (laughs) the places that you're being delivered to in your life if you don't like where you're ending up if you don't like the people you're with if you don't like the scene that you're a part of if you don't like the the environments you end up in then obviously something needs to change and the way that changes is you change you change your consciousness you do it through yoga and meditation and being guided by a teacher. And you learn and you grow. And then you'll be delivered to different environments and different addresses and different places. And you'll realize, wow, I actually have uh, input. I have, I have participation in the unfolding of my own reality. And that is one of the most empowering things to feel.
0: And I think you're touching on labels, Tommy, and just what what it doesn't have to be called. That can be really hard for someone new to sobriety to get stuck on um, language. Um, And while I think words are important and I write and I was a legal secretary and all I ever did was words and language and letters and they're important, um, but I don't let them become more important to me than my recovery. Um, Mm. And I do change my I can see that my language has changed over um, the four years that I've just been recovering I imagine you for being in recovery for 28 years that all changes and you've gotten to this place where like what you're what you've just explained like the the recovery is important not necessarily the label Um, Mm. but I I I don't know I think that's just really I think that's a beautiful recovery 2.0 is you're just up leveling right you're going from one place to another and you don't have to get stuck. And I hope our listeners, you know, sometimes we have all these different uh, ways of describing things now with recovery and it can get really um, in a box. And um, that felt how I used to feel. I put myself in a box a long time ago and then in the beginning of my recovery, I I think it felt comfortable to put myself neatly in a box and or to resist something really hardcore. I feel way Mm -hmm. more open now you know, and calling it what you call recovery 2.0. I just love it. It's just this invitation just to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
3: Thank you.
2: Yeah. Well, we're referring to it as the path of discovery. Mm. Um, yeah. Rather than a path of recovery.
1: Okay. Um, oh, I love that.
2: I, I think everybody can relate to the idea that we want to be on a path of discovery. We want to be learning and growing and we want to learn, you know, experience more. Um, I I wanna be very clear that at the beginning of my recovery, certainly for the first five to 10 years, I referred to myself as an addict in recovery mm-hmm. um, or an alcoholic or, and and I did that for two reasons, three reasons. Number one, it worked for me, uh, that, that I didn't have any thought that that was something I shouldn't be saying for me. Number two, um, it helped me to fit in and be a part of the group a little bit more. I, you know, in, in meetings, it, sometimes at the beginning, you, you, you need to be a part of, you know, and if people in the meeting refer to themselves, you know, Hey, I'm Tommy, I'm an addict or an alcoholic, or Hey, I'm Mike or Fred or John or Debbie or Julie or Karen. Um, it, it's, it's okay. It's really okay to say, you know, I, I'm an addict. And that brings me to the third point, which is, it was actually accurate for me. I had been an addict. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. I had been that. I had identified with that. My behavior was such of an addict. And it would take some time for me to grow out of that and to wake up to new language. But it's fine. Uh, you know, I don't have any judgment or thought, oh, I can't believe that person referred to themselves as an addict. Wow, I guess they haven't woken up yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't feel that way at all. I feel everybody should be allowed to use the language that makes the most sense to them.
3: Correct.
2: I'm just presenting some other options and some new, new ways of thinking. And I, I think different people need different things at different times. Mm. So yeah. that's, that's the main, main teaching there that, that is often missing.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of there's a movement and 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 not a movement but I th- I've seen it more and more in in our community of um this gray area drinking and the idea of things being on a spectrum which feels I think um is a good way for a lot of um the women that are part of our group to to opt out of drinking. It's a mm-hmm. it's another invitation. So like whatever the invitation is, whatever resonates with someone that gets them to kind of look at their life and kind of seek that stillness that you talked about earlier. Um, yes. Like, welcome. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, Sandra, do you have anywhere to go here? I see, um, we're I, looking at notes, Tommy. We have a shared document where we.
1: I, um, no, I, I don't. I don't. I, I think that we have, I think this has been a beautiful conversation.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to, to say um, yoga for me, Tommy, has been um, something that I've resisted in recovery and I'm really appreciating this conversation today. Um, But for me, I used to do yoga when I was hungover to prove that I didn't have any problems. I used to own a wine bar. And so I would go, um, I didn't open till 11. So I would go yoga it out quite often the next day. And for me, it just is a trigger of of that behavior. And so I have dabbled in it in recovery, but I haven't haven't let myself kind of go there. And I was curious, when did yoga come into your life and into your Mm. recovery? Um, and when did that start? When did you add that in?
2: I stepped into a yoga studio for the first time in 1991 in San Francisco.
0: Mm.
2: I was 60 days sober and there was literally a neon sign, (laughs) literally on the street (laughs) that said yoga. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I walked in and I wrote about it extensively in my book, recovery 2.0, but in 90 minutes, which were at that moment were were, was very hard for me to do anything for 90 minutes. Um, When I laid down at the end of that class in, in Shavasana, that final pose where you lay down and relax. um, I felt as high as I had ever been in my life, as comfortable as I had ever been in my life, as relaxed as I had ever been in my life in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just one of the lucky ones. I got it right away. I understood it was challenging and it was a practice and it was physically difficult, but I loved that. I always had been athletic and, and I loved it, but this was not, this was something different. I literally felt like blood was coursing through my, the tissues of my body with a kind of a flow and a grace and a completeness that maybe I had never felt before that the blood itself, actual blood was making its way into tissues that it had never been able to reach since I was an infant or maybe Mm -hmm. not even then. Mm -hmm. And it was so healing for me. And even though it was hard and I sweat my butt off, I, I developed, I began to develop a relationship with yoga later on in my life. In 2003, I met my teacher that's Guru Prem, my beloved teacher. And he, he gave me a vision for recovery. That was beyond anything I had been given. He gave me a way to heal physical pain that I had been experiencing. He gave me a way to to grow beyond the current lessons that I'd been given. And if it were not for him, there would be no Recovery 2.0. All of that, all of this, all of it came from his love and his teachings. And he would say the same of his teacher. Mm -hmm. And so there's this line of of teaching coming down from person person to person to person to person, you know, which basically Helps a person to create calmness, contentment, relaxation, strength, vitality, immunity, balance. He said you could begin a practice, physical in nature, but very spiritual also, very psychological also, uh, that would contribute to your well being at every level of your being. I don't want to discount the trigger that you spoke of and the the experience you had with yoga in your life was, um, yoga was associated with something painful. So, you know, I, I, I don't discount that and I don't belittle that. That's a real, that's a real and true thing for you. Uh, I feel that if, if you'll come visit me and work with me one-on-one that I would be able to reframe that, that visual for you, but it Mm. would take a little time. Right. Um, you would have to want to do that. And, and, and you know, there's no reason that you have to practice yoga unless you determine that you have to practice yoga.
0: Right. Well, it's you just like, um, like like going to the rooms or going to... It's, it's another decision and, and why I'm stopping myself. Um, yes. It's the same thing, right? For,
2: exactly. Exactly. And, you know, uh, everybody, you know, you, you would have to make a decision. Like, I feel like I need to experience this because I feel that this could be something valuable for me Um, and if you felt that way and then you were in the fear of well I don't want to feel like I felt when I used to do it then that is a reason to overcome that fear and to give it a try if if you don't want to do it in your heart of hearts you're like you know it's just not my thing I'm not I'm really not interested in it at all then I would just let it go and not worry about it and never think
3: about it again
0: (laughs) I think, I I think that I, yes, but I think there's been some interesting, like the reason I got into 12 step was I got a private message from that yoga teacher that I used to go to. And she said, I've been doing your reading and I really think you could benefit from 12 step. And so like it's laced through my story. She is laced through my story. She's no longer a yoga teacher. She's a science teacher. Um, but it's, it's just interesting. And I feel that, um, like what I've learned, um, in my recovery about being honest about being open-minded and being willing i i'm all of those things i think but i also i think an important part of that is being ready and i don't think i can do some things until i'm ready um yes you know so maybe that's just my my readiness will um will let me know
2: yes I well think. it's interesting when oh my goodness uh, you're yeah. welcome and i love that you so uh, honestly and candidly put that out there and It's a funny thing that happens when we talk about readiness. Um, The minute you voice something, you actually voice something, you put it into words. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. It, It has a certain power. So I'll be waiting for your call.
0: <laughs> and, uh, Perfect. We'll, we'll,
1: we'll hook it up when you're ready. If you're
0: ready. <laughs> now, I got your number, Tommy. All right.
1: <laughs> and and Tommy, I have a question. So, when did you? What what made it important for you to segue into um becoming then a teacher? Was it because you felt like you were needed to pass on what you were given from Guru Prem?
2: Yes. Um, if you know my personality, you know that I don't like being told no. I don't like limitation. I don't like constraints. I'm just telling you the truth.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I I sincerely, sincerely don't. These are things that my personality I'm put on this earth. Part of the, the light of me is to explore what's possible. And once, I explored what was possible in recovery with yoga and meditation and healthy diet and all the things we're talking about. When I realized that a person could recover truly and fully, that became an obligation for me to help someone else and to show someone else that that could be done. Cause as much as I don't like constraint for me, I don't like human beings buying into constraint unless it's absolutely necessary or it actually is real. Like, okay, there are limitations. There are things that, we can't do. And there are times when no is a good word. Uh, But I don't like to accept no. And I don't like to accept constraints until I know through my own exploration that there's no other way. That in fact, that's right. You are constrained and you have to accept this. Then I can accept it. I just don't like accepting it without trying every option. And so since I was shown a way through and so, ah, so graced to have met the people that I've met, the teachers that I've met, um, there is no other choice, but to show other people how to do the same thing and set them completely free and at least set them free on a path where they can explore for themselves, what they want to be and how they want to be. That's really important to me. And I believe it's really important to every one of the thousands of recovery 2.0 members. That's, that's something we all share is we don't like being told no, (laughs) but but we will accept it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, so it's an obligation, and it's a it's a gift um, to me. So it has to become a gift to, to others. And um, I also feel that you know, quite frankly, uh, yoga and meditation. Um, I've been I've been studying and practicing now for 28 years, and I have seen that as much as I've had so many teachers in my life I can be a teacher to someone as well Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and I have so much to share Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't feel it doesn't feel good not doing that in fact all I want to do all I want to do is teach Mm -hmm. I don't want to do anything else I'm not interested in anything else I really mean that Mm
3: -hmm. I mean
2: don't get me wrong I love to ride my mountain bike and I love to play tennis blah 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 although all those things but and I love to be with my wife and travel, and hike, and all that. And, we, and I get to do those things while teaching. Um, but the, the focus is teaching.
0: Well, that's what I have. Uh, I think it's a beautiful way to kind of segue into the end of our interview. But I was going to ask you what it was like collaborating and working with your wife and the things that you guys are doing now. Can you share a little bit of that?
2: Sure. It's really funny when people ask us that. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> we are, we are a, a husband and wife, mm-hmm. you know, Um, we collaborate, but we, we also have our own thing very defined. Yeah. Um, each of us has a strong personality and each of us likes to present things in the way that we present them. There's an old, an old really fun saying, which applies here. Um, there should be only one teacher on the bench at a time.
3: Mm.
2: And so we don't (laughs) get in the way of each other's teaching. We try to supplement and support each other. Um, so we will teach together or she'll bring me on one of her trainings, or I'll bring her on one of my trainings or workshops. And when I'm contributing to what she's doing, I'm very clear that I'm contributing to what she is doing. And when she's contributing to what I'm doing, she's very clear that she's contributing to what I'm doing. And then sometimes we are asked to teach something together, which we're happy to do. And that's a slightly different dynamic and more playful and, you know we we take turns, and we are very respectful not to step on each other's toes or to interrupt each other. And we've learned all these lessons through marriage, by the way, um, of respecting someone else and being very clear in our our delineation of roles, knowing where you know, like, I need to know where Kia's strengths are. I need to know where my strengths are. I need to know when to lay off. And and it's good for her too. You know, I have trained, let's see, uh, 300, 500. I have probably trained 500 hours. I've trained with Kia. Hmm. In other words, I've trained under her tutelage. She's been my teacher, uh, as a Yogi. I've learned so much from my wife. I can't overstate it. Her scholarship, her depth of experience is unbelievable. Um, So if you're interested in that Kia Miller, Mm kiamiller.com, she, she is just an extraordinary, one of the great yoga, in my opinion, one of the greatest yoga teachers in the world today, one of the most dedicated and most experienced. And so, um, if I'm going to have anybody come and teach a segment of my program, that's going to be based in in the, in the way that she teaches, there's no one I'd rather have than her. And I would have no business interrupting her or contributing unless she asks me do you understand
1: Mm, yeah yeah
2: Yeah. so i'm clear what what my role is um and like you know like for her she knows that i'm an expert at applying the technique of yoga and meditation to recovery that's not her area of expertise she would defer to me in those moments so we're very very clear on what we do. And the collaboration is, is usually just seamless and beautiful. And well, we're, we're almost together 20 years now, so it's
1: worked out.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. What, um, what do you want to promote, Tommy? Like what's coming up for you before we get to the three things? Like what, what would you like to share with our listeners that they might be interested in that you, that you're offering?
2: Yes. Well, we've talked about most of it. You know, what (laughs) I'm doing is I'm offering uh, a very, very affordable uh, way to get involved in, an, in, an, in a whole new lifestyle. And that's through our membership. And I'm I pretty sure we have, we have a 14 day trial, dip a toe in, see how it feels to you. Um, I think it's $18 a month, US. Uh, and you get the keys to the kingdom. I mean, you're really, really involved with us uh, throughout the year, access to hundreds of hours of video, yoga classes online, meditation classes, our live presentations every Monday night. want you to get involved if that calls to you. Uh, everything there is, it's r- r20.com. It's R as in recovery, r20.com, just those three characters. And then, of course, there's no substitute to coming on on retreat with us come to Costa Rica with us, come to India with us, come to any of the retreats we offer in the United States. If you are a yoga teacher and you're listening to this and you wanna train to work with people in recovery, to be a recovery coach, you know, come to our training, apply right away. Um, That's gonna be uh, in September this year, 2019. And you can read all about it and hear all about it if you become a member. Um, We also, for people who are, in extreme situations of of financial stress, um, you can join our online Facebook group, uh, which is the recovery two global recovery community, global community. I think it's I don't know twenty thousand people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the most mm-hmm. supportive groups I've ever seen. if you if you asked any question or you said, you know, I'm in trouble, can someone help me?" you would have 200 people coming to help you inside of a day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's the most incredible thing. So that's obviously a free offering. Um, There's the book recovery 2.0. There's the podcast, the recovery 2.0 power hour, which of course is free as well. There's just, there's so many ways to get involved. Um, And uh, yeah, there's just no, there's no reason anymore to stay alone. Or to feel like you don't know what the next step is, just come and join us, and we'll walk the path together with you. This path of discovery, and uh, we'll see, get to see where it goes. It's kind mm. of exciting.
0: Thank you.
1: Lots of great offerings, Tommy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and what a great service that you know, that your life's. You know, this is your life's work, and gosh, to be able to, like you said, charge for some things, and a lot of things are free, and I think that's beautiful. There's so many resources on your website. Um, thank you yeah well this this is the part of the show where we um, where we should ask our guests to share three things that are in their unruffled toolbox and um, unruffled means calm and not agitated Um, we were a little ruffled before maybe perhaps in whatever when we were drinking or using or doing the things that we do in addiction but um, this is a part of the show where we ask you to share three things that are in your unruffled toolbox with our listeners
2: sure Uh, so the first thing, uh, so so all of these we've covered, um, first of all, um, but the, the first thing I would share, uh, with anybody is, uh, you can't be alone. So the first thing I want anybody listening to this to do would be to take out a piece of paper right now, please do it right now. Have a pen and write down the names of 10 people that you think could or would be helpful to you at this point in your life. Maybe there are people in recovery, maybe they're a close friend or family member. And if you can't come up with 10, come up with one or three or five. And so that's the first thing that's, that's without question, the people in my life have made my recovery possible. I just need, I need everybody to understand that the people in my life have made my recovery possible. So that. Be, begin your list right now. And when you've made that list, reach out to, you know, make a commitment today. I'm going to reach out to at least one of these people and I'm going to tell them a the truth about myself. I'm going to tell them my dream. Hey, I'm, I have a habit I want to change. Or I think I might be an alcoholic. Or I think I'm struggling with addiction and I need help and I don't want anyone to know and I'm scared to be alone. I mean, that kind of conversation leads to very, very good things. Yeah. So that's number one. Is begin your list and start to reach out to people. Number two, yoga. Yoga and meditation. Now, if you're stuck in chronic severe addiction, you're going to have to take some steps first to get sober. But let's assume you're not. Let's assume you're relatively physically and mentally healthy. Um, I would say begin a yoga and meditation practice as soon as you possibly can as soon as you possibly can you can google yoga in your town or city you can go to a yoga class if that's uncomfortable for you you can call a yoga teacher and have them come and do a private or you can do online yoga in a billion different <laughs> websites in the world including
3: mm-hmm. including
2: youtube there's just endless resources Uh, I will mention that on recovery 2.0, we have all manner of yoga classes and meditation experiences for you already waiting.
1: That's that's amazing right there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay.
2: Jump in and become a member and, and, uh, and you'll be able to do that. Um, Number three uh, is essentially this. (sighs) Gosh, how do I say this? without sounding dogmatic in some way. If you need, if you're, if you feel like you're struggling with addiction, then you probably are. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to ask that if that's your situation, go to a minimum of three 12 step meetings, just go. You don't have to go for the rest of your life but go three times to three different meetings. Or if you find one that you love go to that one over and over and be a scientist and explore it for yourself and see what's there rather than just saying, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. That's not for me. I know that's not for me. Explore. So you can base your opinion on a direct experience. And if you do that, and if you have the courage to raise your hand or even after the meeting, Walk up to someone who said something that, that was resonating with you. Walk up to someone and say, I'm new at this. Can you give me a hand? You will find yourself on a road to healing and freedom very quickly. So that's what I would suggest.
0: Mm. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Tommy, for taking the time and speaking with us and letting us share this with our listeners. Beautiful. My
2: pleasure. Oh. Okay. Such a joy to speak with you both. I'm I'm so grateful for the work you're doing in the world, and uh, I'll do everything in my power to help promote it and put Mm -hmm. it out there, Um, and
0: thank you for for thinking of me and having me on your show. Of course. Mm. You've been on our minds since September, so (laughs) (laughs) yeah. We just got up the nerve to ask, and you were so gracious to say yes, so (laughs) thank you very much. Okay. All right all right well I'm sure you might be hearing from me I don't know you'll see you'll find out I just signed up, I just signed up for your newsletter while I was just online with you here so I'm gonna go check out your membership so thank you Tommy. I love it there you go my pleasure all right, bye. Okay,
1: all right. bye Tommy
0: the Unruffled podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers, Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.